All right, hymn 425. We are on stanza number four of The Will of God is Always Best. Hymn 425, stanza number four. When life's brief course on earth is run, And I, this world, am leaving. When life's brief course on earth is run, and I, this world, am leaving. So we're preparing uh, you, not just for today and not just for tomorrow, but uh, this life. Uh, has a course, and it is brief, 70, 80 years, if you have the strength that says in the psalmody, uh, some can, can bump it a little bit higher than that, but um, it will come time for you to die as well. And when this world is done, uh, your life is done, uh, we want you to be prepared for that which is to come. Um, and so, when we're leaving this life, what do we asking. Grant me to say, your will be done. Your faithful word believing. Grant me to say, your will be done. Your faithful word believing. Hmm. Your will be done. Um, Where's that from? Lord's Prayer. Um, and so we pray this in the Lord's Prayer. When we're talking about the end of our life, what is God's will? Uh, we want God's will to be done. You might say in various stages, well, I'm getting ready to die. Um, I know that my brief uh, course here is, is up. What is God's will? He wants us to be believers. He wants us to be believers. Um, the scriptures say, be faithful unto death in the book of Revelation. So what does he want? He wants us to believe even unto death. Um, your faithful word, believing. All right, what does the word say? We're going to be believing it. We're going to be trusting it uh, until we die. What does it say? It tells us that Christ died for us. The atonement has been made. It is finished. What else? Yes. Um, he told the pre or the priest, the thief. What I was thinking, the thief beside him on the cross. Today you'll be with me in paradise. Uh, for all who believe, you will be with him. Uh, what about this? Um, what about this purgatory thing? All right. There's the really bad people. They go to hell. Those are really good people. They go to heaven. What about this purgatory for the people kind of not so bad, not so good? Is that what this is? What about it? There is no purgatory. What? There is no purgatory. You're right. How do I know this? 
God's word makes no reference to it. Um, There is no reference to it. This idea that somehow whatever you didn't get forgiven here and whatever you didn't uh, uh, pay for here, somehow you have to go to a place and and they say, don't worry, anybody that, that goes to purgatory will finally get to heaven, but they have to suffer off their penalty until they get there. Is One, there's no mention of this place called purgatory in the scriptures. It's not in the Apocrypha either. I know those that say, oh, they got in the Apocrypha. Nope, it's not in the Apocrypha either. And there's a chasm between. Um, and there's no passing back and forth either. Um, what's the big problem with purgatory then? You have to do something. You have to do something. Do the scriptures ever say that we have to do something? Either while we're here or even after life? No? What else? What about Jesus? What? He's left out of the picture completely when it comes to purgatory. Right. Um, We have a Savior, Jesus Christ, who saved us from our sins. Did it say some sins? Did it say Jesus did half the work and you have to do the other half? What does this say about his sacrifice and his atonement for us? If you've got purgatory, then it's not complete. It wasn't good enough. It was just a start. Um, And if it's up to you to do something... Um, you're saying that Jesus Christ didn't do enough. This this is ridiculous. Um, With this hymn, grant me to say your will be done, your faithful word believing, what do I believe? Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. It's a promise. I know it. Um, And so, as it says, when my brief course of life is done... I need to be a believing child of God. Your will is that believing in Christ, I will be saved. Uh, Do I need to fear it? No. Um, I have a God that I trust in. I need not fear it. The hymn goes on. My dearest friend, I now commend. My dearest friend, I now commend. My soul into your keeping. My dearest friend, I now commend my soul into your keeping. My dearest friend, I now commend my soul into your keeping. In Luther's evening prayer in the Catechism, he says, and I commend into your hands my body and soul in all things. Um, Each day we do that and say, I have given that over to you, and thus you will provide and take care of body and soul. At this point it says, listen, uh, my body is running its course. I now commend to you my soul, my soul into your keeping, um, that he might, that he might, well, uh, um, that that soul might be with him uh, immediately upon death. Now, what is death? Separation of the body and the soul. Uh, When you go to the funeral home, there's the body, it's laid out, um, but it doesn't respond. There is no life in it. There is no soul in it. Uh, that soul immediately goes to be either with God or goes to heaven or to hell. Uh, At the last day, there is a reuniting of our body and our soul, uh, a bringing back together. uh, Either when Christ returns, it says those who are here, their body will be changed. Uh, Those who 
uh, have died. He will raise them up. Uh, those who believe will get a glorified body that will live forever with their soul, or, or those who will rise with a depraved body and, and uh, will be thrown into the lake of fire, the permanent resting place of, of, uh, of those who are unbelievers. And so here I commend my soul. You're the one that's going to take care of it. Why do we need God to take care of that soul? You think you're going to take care of it? <laughs> um, I don't think so. Even my body in this life I can't take care of. Who else is going to take care of this? Uh, you know, when I, Luther has us praying as we lay down to go to sleep, um, I can't take care of my body while I'm sleeping. I can't take care of anything. Uh, and so I give that to him. Here, as I lay down my uh, soul to him, as I, as I die, I say, Lord, it's in your hands. Uh, and I trust because you have good hands. Nothing can be taken out of your hand. Um, the devil can't snatch you out uh, of that. Those who believe will be saved. From sin and hell and death as well. By you, the victory reaping. From sin and hell and death as well. By you, the victory reaping. So, by Christ or in Christ, with Christ, trusting in Christ, what do we say? We have a victory over these things. We have victory over sin. It cannot take us away from Christ. It cannot harm us. We have uh, Jesus Christ who forgives sin. Uh, death cannot uh, harm us. Uh, we have eternal life. We've been raised with Christ. And so we will not have an eternal death. Or we'll pass through it like a, uh, it says death is like a shadow or like asleep, and, and you know, we'll die here and wake up with Christ. Uh, sin, death, and, well, hell as well. Uh, that penalty has been paid. When Jesus went down, descended into hell, he went down there not to suffer. He had already finished the payment price. He went down there to announce the victory, uh, to let them know, I did what I said, uh, and all who believe are, in fact, saved. And so this is his announcement for us. No, we will not taste uh, uh, hell at all, uh, but we will have that, that eternal paradise that God has provided, the heavenly dwellings, the uh, uh, being with him in, in, in eternal light. And so, this last stanza talks about the uh, brief course, the end of life. I would say, uh, yes. Uh, does the word of God and all that God is providing take care of of what we need for this life? Absolutely. It gives directions concerning, we're going to have the fifth commandment in just a little bit, uh, concerning, concerning marriage, concerning church. But you know, the Lord is preparing us for something far grander than just this life. He's preparing, this brief course will be done. He is preparing us for that moment of death, uh, that we might in faith trust in him and receive an eternal life. All right, stanza number four. When life's eight course on earth is run, I hear this world and leaping. 
Grant me to say your will be done, your faithful word believing. My dearest friend, I now commend my soul into your keeping. From sin and hell and death as well, by you the victory reaping. Tonight we move on to the fifth commandment. It is found on page 300 in the front part of your hymnal if you need to turn to it. The fifth commandment, you shall not murder. You shall not murder. What does this mean? Repeat after me. We should fear and love God so that We do not hurt or harm. We do not hurt or harm our neighbor in his body. So that we do not hurt or harm our neighbor in his body. So that we do not hurt or harm our neighbor in his body. But help and support him. In every, physical need. in every physical need. But help and support him in every physical need. All right, we're up to the fifth commandment. Uh, the first three commandments are called what? First table of the law. They deal with? Love of God. And so we have things like who God is, first commandment. We have God's name and the way that we learn of God, that is through the hearing of his word, preaching and his word. With commandments four through ten, we have the second table of the law. They all deal with what? Love of neighbor, exactly. All right, so with the fourth commandment. Uh, God deals with those who are parents and other authorities. We took a look at those the last couple Wednesdays in which God uh, originally uh, gave the entire governance, we would say, to Adam and Eve, to parents. Um, later, uh, as, as population grew, things of this sort, uh, he, gives, he gave this to the governing authorities, to the government. Uh, that they might execute uh, punishment upon, upon the evildoer. Uh, and so we have the authorities, and in the fourth commandment, we are to honor those who are our authorities. We talked about different fathers, fathers of blood, the household, fathers of our country or in the government, fathers uh, in the church, that is the pastors, and when we, we spoke about those things. As we move on uh, today with the fifth commandment, God is protecting what gift? God is, each one of these commandments, um, are God taking a gift that he is giving us and protecting it? What is he protecting? Life. He is protecting the gift of life. God has given us life. In particular, this life includes the body that he has provided. And so, um, he has given us a body, eyes, ears, all my members, my reason, all my senses, as we 
talk about uh, in, in the first article of the creed. So he's given us a body. He wants to protect this life, this body that you have been given. Why do you need your body protected? What, what, what do you mean? You need it protected? What do we got stuff that harms your body? What now? All around us. All right. Well, I got time. Start telling me about some of these things. What now? Other people? Wait a minute. Other people? You know, um, God has given us a body, and we've got other people. Um, yes, there are things, you know, there are tornadoes, there are cancer, there is whatever. Um, in particular, I don't know that tornadoes and cancer and whatever obeyed the fifth commandment. But, concerning people, this commandment is intended for people. That they shall not murder. Why would somebody want to murder you? Because what? Alright, because I'm a rotten sinner? That could very well be. It could very well be that you have angered somebody. You're a sinner. You may have spoken evil of them. You might have stolen from them. You might have hurt them with your words. You might. Yes, okay. What else? They're a rotten sinner too. Whoa, they're a rotten sinner too. You may have done nothing wrong. You may have worked very hard and bought yourself a car. And you know what your neighbor does? He looks over and says, I'm jealous of that car. I like that car. And so, because he is simply a rotten sinner, he may go out and speak evil of you. He may wish to harm you or want to harm your car. And do, you know, yeah, exactly. And so this concerning body or, or the life that God has given, God says, I wish to protect it. I wish to preserve it. With this commandment, you shall not murder. Well, uh, if someone wants to harm you, then you shouldn't harm them back. Oh. I don't know that you got protected, but your neighbor just got protected by the commandment. Um, how does God protect us? What about this fifth commandment? You shall not murder. Well, I, I, I would have thought God would have said something the other way. Okay. Um, when we're talking about the fifth commandment, you shall not murder, uh, with the exception of those, and every one of these commandments needs to be understood in its context of the scripture and what is taught, um, with the exception of, exception of the fourth commandment, in which those who have been given the authority in God's place to punish. Yes, the government has been given the authority to punish the body. And that includes, well, murder, if that needs to happen. And the government is not guilty of that. In the very same way, we would say parents have been given the authority to punish their children. Um, anger? Normally, the fifth commandment would exclude anger. 
uh, as we would talk about the lust of the Sixth Commandment or the coveting of the Ninth or Tenth, we would say anger, uh, not just the taking a knife, sticking in somebody's body and killing them, but anything would lead to that, including, and Jesus, when he explains this in Matthew 5, says, he who is angry with his brother has already committed murder in his heart. But if we're talking about the government, or we're talking about parents who have a righteous anger for that which is wrong, um, that is not a sin. That is not a sin. Um, my child has disobeyed me, my child has cursed, my child has done this, and it gets me so angry. I go, that's no sin. That's no sin. Um, the government as well, uh, that they might execute punishment, and God has given them revenge. That is to set something right. If someone has stolen, the government may come in, and they may exact a penalty, they may throw them in jail, they may say, this is the just punishment in order that it might meet the crime. That is all allowed. And God is protecting your body by that means which he has given. As well as um, sending off troops to a just war. A uh, Christian can serve in the military, uh, can be sent out as a soldier. Um, that has been given in a just war in those instances. No, that's been given to the government. Why? To protect the fatherland, to protect the homeland. But with the fifth commandment, God has said to you, I will do it this way with the government. Those, you yourself are not, you are not allowed to seek revenge, to execute punishment, uh, in, including the anger, the hurting, the harming of your neighbor in his body. That has been excluded. Why? because that's the way God set it up. Um, and God wishes to uh, protect, uh, you would say, individuals from this tit-for-tat, you did this to me, I did this to you, I'm going to. Um, because we are sinners, because other people are sinners, there is always going to be the, well, uh, uh, possibility, the occasion for, I've got people that I'm going to, that did something to me, and, well, you probably did something to them. And God says, I'm going to take that away from you, and I'm going to give that to somebody else. And this is one of the ways in which he protects and takes care of this world. Just take a look at what goes on in the Middle East. They don't have that within, like, the Muslim faith. You know, they're allowed to kill other people, and the mayhem that it causes. You know, we don't realize what a gift from God the command is that it keeps us in order. The rivalries, the revenge, yeah, the... And just because you're of a different tribe, even, you know, it's just crazy stuff. Sure. You're, yeah, you're a Shiite, or you're, you know, I mean, oh my goodness. Um, exactly. But, just as we said with our hymn, thy will be done, we also have to trust God's will is to do it this way. Are there times in which justice gets perverted? Are there times in which judges are uh, um, either uh, paid off or are they simply ignorant and, and are, yes. Um, and yet we say, God has chosen it to be done in this way. And so God's will is done. 
I will trust that what is best, and God's will is always best, that he will see that nobody gets away with this. Uh, Luther talks, he, he, he speaks of this kind of justice, not in the fifth commandment, but he actually speaks of this in the seventh commandment, in which he talks about, he says, in the world everybody is a thief, he says, and one thief uh, uh, steals from another and nobody gets ahead. He says, if you think that you will get ahead by stealing, he said, you will find that God is, is much smarter than you. He will send another thief to see steal from you, and in the end, your life will not be any better. And so he talks about the justice in the world, that you cannot subvert it, uh, but in fact, God will work it out in his, in his own way. All right, so, uh, what are we to do? Um, we are not to hurt, we are not to harm, uh, and, and obviously not to murder or to kill uh, our neighbor. Um, when we talk about our sins, thought, word, and deed. Thoughts of hatred, I'm angry at you, I don't like you, I'm going to, those are forbidden from the fifth commandment. Um, but you tell me I've got an enemy. There, pastor, there is, there is someone, and he has done this and this and this. He is my enemy. What about that? Love your enemies. In fact, if you can describe someone and you can identify them as your enemy, they deserve special treatment. Anyone who is called an enemy deserves your love. Um, that is, that way it would be treated well. Um, not, her, her, not thoughts of, of, of hate. Uh, that your words might be um, uh, proper not calling someone a fool or a cow, or, you know, these things as the scriptures say, or uh, you would lead towards the hurting or harming of them. All right, is that enough? Is that enough to keep the fifth commandment, to not to hurt or harm your neighbor? It isn't. Um, Jesus himself in, in Matthew 25, when he talks about it, he said, I was hungry, and you didn't feed me. And I was thirsty, and you didn't give me a drink. And I was naked, and you didn't clothe me. And I was sick, and I was... And in all of these, he talks about, we call sins of omission. What is this? Well, that we would not just not hurt or harm, but that we would say, I am been given for the helping of my neighbor. Um, that I would um, stop. And, and, and assist him uh, if he is beside the road. That I would, if my neighbor needs food, that I would provide that uh, for him. That I would seek to help. That I might call 911 for him. That I might not go by on the other side of the road. And so we're not yet, uh, you would say, keeping the fifth commandment if we simply say, well, I'm, I'm not hurting or harming. Yes, but are you helping? Are you supporting? Uh, in every physical need, in, in ways that you, are, that you are able to. And so there is always two sides to each part of the commandments. Fifth commandment, any questions? Um, Luke chapter 16, verse 9, repeat after me. Make friends for yourselves, Make friends for yourselves. by unrighteous mammon. 
Make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon. That when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. That when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. In Luke 16, verse 9, we'll get to it in context with the gospel reading that's coming up with our catechesis. But um, the unrighteous mammon, just the stuff of this world, what does he say? Use them to make friends for yourselves. What is that? Love your neighbor. That's what that stuff has been given for. It's been given for the love of your neighbor. Um, that would be the keeping of the commandments 4 through 10. All right. We light the candles. We'll begin. Page 224 in the front of the hymnal, the Order of Vespers. Please stand. O oh Lord, open my lips. And my mouth will declare your grace. Make haste, O oh God, to deliver me. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Praise to you, O Christ. may be seated. The reading is on the back of your white bulletin. It's the gospel reading for this Sunday, Luke chapter 16, verse 1 through 13. He also said to his disciples, there was a certain rich man who had a steward, and an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. So he called to him and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be steward. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my master is taking away, is taking the stewardship away from me. I, I cannot dig. I am ashamed to beg. I have resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses." So he called every one of his master's debtors to him and said to the first, How much do you owe my master? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. So he said to him, Take your bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. Then he said to another, And how much do you owe? And so he said, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. So the master commended the unjust steward, because he had dealt shrewdly, 
For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. This is God's word. Hymn 425, The Will of God is Always Best. The will of God is always best and shall be done forever. And they who trust in him are blessed, he will forsake them never. He helps indeed in time of need, he chastens with forbearing. They who depend on God, their friend, shall not be left despairing. God is my comfort and my trust, my hope and life abiding. And to his counsel, wise and just, I yield in him confiding. The very hairs his word declares, Upon my head he numbers. By night and day God is my stay, he never sleeps nor slumbers. Lord, this I ask, O oh, hear my plea, deny me not this favor. When Satan sorely troubles me, then do not let me waver. Oh, guard me well, my fear dispel. Fulfill your faithful saying. He who believes indeed receives an answer to his praying. When life's brief course on earth is run, and I this world am leaping. Grant me to say, your will be done, your faithful word believing. My dearest friend, I now commend, 
my soul into your keeping from sin and hell and death as well by you the victory reaping. Luke chapter 16. Often it is a difficult passage uh, for people to understand. One, because uh, there is a commending of someone who is dishonest. Uh, someone who was not a good manager of his master's stuff, and so he's going to lose his job, and in his last acts, before he turns in the books, he actually steals more uh, by writing off the debt, which he had no authority to do uh, in dealing with his master's debtors. And yet, uh, the master uh, says to him, well... In your wickedness, well done. And you go, what in the world? Uh, why, why is that? Well, we do have to know that whenever Jesus tells a parable or a story, uh, there is always a, a point to the story. Um, and we have to say, what is the, and there is always one point that goes with it. Now, occasionally there are these extended analogies where, and, and, and if it is the case, Jesus will tell us that the weed sown here means this, and the wheat sown here means this, and, and this and that. But normally, it's kind of a whole story, and it's got one point concerning it. Now, if things agree with that point, yes, it can teach other things as well. But we have to get back to the point. And so you would say, just because... Well, someone was dishonest and lost their job. It doesn't mean we say, okay, I need, God's telling me to be dishonest and lose my job. Not so. Um, in the same way, I, you know, I give examples. The, um, uh, the, <laughs> the Roman church, in trying to uh, teach at the time of Luther that, that the laity was only supposed to have communion in one kind and and, and not in two. So they, they kept the blood of Christ, the wine from them, and on, only gave them the, bre uh, the bread. Uh, they would cite things like, well, Jesus in John 6 said, you know, he who has the bread of life has eternal life. And it didn't say anything about drinking anything. It was just the bread. Well, is, is, is that what that means? Um, you can't just rip something out of its context. So concerning this one, What's the point? Well, if we get down to the end, where he says, the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. He's commending the shrewdness. He's commending the, uh, you might say, shrewdness, the, the smartness, but, but normally shrewdness, uh, has almost a illegal connotation to it. You, you did this, and you were tricking, and you're doing it, and you got it done, but it wasn't quite right. And so he says, you know, you were quite shrewd. What did the man do? Well, he lost his job, and he said, I got a problem. 
What's his problem after losing his job? Yeah, he said, this is all I know how to do. I can't, I can't dig. I don't have the back for that. I can't do that. He says, well, you know, what am I going to do? If I lose this job, I've lost this job. Uh, and he says, I'm going to make the best with what I got. <laughs> the guy told me, in effect, to go home, grab the books, and bring them back. Um, and you might say, uh, what? Brian, you have a had a business at one time, you know. Is that what you do? Do you send the guy home with the keys to the office and then say, come back the next day and, you know, turn everything in? What do you do? You walk him out. You change the locks, you walk him out. It's all done. The master allowed the guy some time. And what does the guy say? I still got the books. And he says, I got a plan. I'm gonna, I'm, I've lost my job, right? Um, he's accused of being dishonest, was he? He doesn't deny it. So what's he going to do with these books? Well, in the spirit of this having one meaning, I'm just wondering, is the way the master kind of treats this in sort of a foolish manner, but could that be kind of parallel to the way the Heavenly Father is kind of gives both believers and unbelievers a little bit of room in this world to kind of do what you want until it brings out the day? I would say this is an extended uh, meaning that comes out. Once you get the main point, you will see some of these other things as well, in which, what has happened? God has accused you of sin, and the wages of sin is death. Have you sinned? Yes. A little? No. I mean, not, you can't even just say, oh, well, it was just a couple thoughts, but you know. No, we've sinned in all kinds of ways. You are guilty. You deserve to die. Does he kill you immediately? No, this master, we would say our master, our heavenly master, is gracious. He gives you time to repent. He gives you time before the end comes and your day of death, or the last day comes. And so, yes. Well, this man, uh, he had some time. Uh, he still had the books. What's the one thing the guy needs? And that's what he cared for. I'm caring for my wife. I've got to have a place to live. I've got to have food. I've got, to, I've got no way to get this. I need that. And he used everything that he had, and he cheated, and he stolen, and he wrote off his master's debt. But you know what he did? He knew it was all done. And the guy's going to take the books. But before it happens, if I do this, I can get, what did he want with all his heart? He wanted a place to live. He wanted the friends to take him into his house. He wanted something. And you would say in his tricky, sinful shrewdness, he got it. One of the problems with trying to make a big deal out of this is the fact that if we as Christians keep on doing the same thing this guy was doing, what's going to happen in the end? <laughs> If we stay in our shrewdness, absolutely, absolutely. If you stay in your human shrewdness, you're never going to repent. Exactly. And so, when the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. If you are a son of light, if you are a Christian, you do not have the means. God has not given you murder, 
lust, thievery. That's not your tools. He has not given those to you. you sh we as sons of light, what have we been given? We have been given things like faith and hope and love and, and the word of God and the sacraments to strengthen us. Those are the things that we ought to, with all our soul, grab onto those things and use those things to get the one thing that we desire. Eternal life. Heavenly dwellings. Um, and so this man, he says, he used it to, people welcomed him in. He said, you know what? If you love and trust in God, confessing your sins, don't hold on to those, you will be received into eternal dwellings. Now, it's not because of what you've done. It's because of Christ. You have faith in Christ. That's the only way that we can have a, a love and trust God in these kind of things. And so, if you have done wrong, if you've stolen, admit it. Um, you don't put your foot down and say, I'm not going to confess, I'm just going to get mad. You say, no, I'm sorry for what I have done. Um, we confess our sins. If we, need to, uh, um, if we need food, we trust in the Lord. We pray to him. Um, we don't go out and steal it uh, because we say that's not, that's not given to us uh, in these. And so this man used sinful ways to get sinful stuff. And he, he says, you know what? He was good at it was good at it. Um, do sinful people make use of love and trust in God? No, they don't ever do that. So why should you, who are sons of light, make use of revenge, anger, uh, these things? Those tools aren't, aren't, aren't for you. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful in what is much. If he's unjust in what is least, he's also unjust in much. God has given you these things. You don't say, well, that's just a little thing. Um, I can cheat on my taxes, but I won't cheat on my wife. Well, now, wait a minute. Um, I can steal you know, a little something, but I won't steal something big. Um, and I only steal from big corporate. No, if you're unfaithful in little, you'll be unfaithful in much. If you're faithful in little, you'll be faithful in much. And so he is teaching us about the gifts that God has given. Yes, you're not saved by doing these things. You're already saved because of Jesus, but you're sons of light. And if you're sons of light, this is the way we live. Okay. Confession and absolution. There is none. There is none. That's really the Christian's truth, isn't it? Yes. Because the unbeliever won't do that. God moves the Christian to confess and receive absolution. I think that's probably why one of the reasons the Lutherans have confession and absolution in the service. Correct. Correct. Um, and you get that confession, absolution, the forgiveness in the preaching of the word, in the corporate confession, absolution, in, in, in all of these. Um, if you're a Christian, what do you make use of? Um, I, I'm, I, 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 have, I have sinned. I make use of confession. Well, I'm being tempted to sin and I'm weak. What do I make use of? 
What gifts has he given us? He's given us the word. I come to hear the word. I, I, I get the word out more if I'm, if I'm tempted. Um, I come that I might be taught in it. Um, I, it, it. It invariably happens that someone says to me, uh, um, I, you know, I'm really having trouble with anger. Do you know when someone will come to me and tell me that they're having trouble with anger? It's after tonight, because I just spoke on the fifth commandment on anger. And so probably tomorrow or the next day, someone will call me and tell me about this. And I'll go, I, you know, I, we had God, God had his word right here to help you, right? Um, or someone says to me, you know, I'm really having trouble with God's will. And I go, you know, we just had four weeks of thy will. God's will is good. Uh, the will of God is good. It's always good. And I think, wow, you could have been seeing this for four weeks. Um, those are the th God provides those kind of things that it might, uh, that it might provide, that it might teach us. Um, uh, or it may be that you don't need it right now. Um, it may be that the Lord has been preparing you for 20 years to bring you to this spot. Um, and he had to, he had to build th that teaching into you again and again and again so that now uh, you are ready. And he says, all right, I've taught you. Now let's see if you will be faithful in what I have given you. I've taught you all along this, but now you lose your job. Now you have the cancer. Now you have whatever comes up, and you say, how am I going to deal with it? Oh, well, was I paying attention? What, do I have? what have I learned? Do I know where to go in order to get that kind of help uh, that I might pray? No servant can serve two masters. We can't keep both. We can't say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep up with the world, and I'm going to use their means, I'm going to do their stuff, but I'm also going to be a Christian. What will you find? You will find that you can't hold on to both. Um, you can't hold on to, I'm strong and I can handle and everything's good, and also say, and I'm not strong and I can't handle and I must hold on to God and he's the one who provides. No. You can't trust in your works and trust in Jesus. Are you dire? You can't have two masters. Um, you can't serve God and mammon. Um, I, I guess I didn't deal with mammon. Um, what is mammon? Um, stuff. I think that is a very good technical definition. <laughs> stuff. Um, all right. Tell me about stuff. Does God hate stuff? No, stuff. stuff. In fact, God made lots of it. Lots of stuff. He made a world of stuff, and he put it all in here. And this kind of idea that God hates material, and he hates, you know, crazy. God made all this stuff. Um, talks about the unrighteous mammon. All of it, it's just, it's just, it's not, it's not the word, it's not the sacraments, it's not those things. It's just the unrighteous stuff. And what does he say? Use it. Well, what do I use it for? I use it to love my neighbor. I use it to feed my family. I use it to, I don't want to use it for uh, an idol. It's not good at that. But for all these other uses, I use it to maintain a church building so I can hear God's word. It's good for that. Um, you say, well, you already know God's word. Well, yeah, other people don't, so you provide a house for them so that they can come and hear God's word. Uh, all of these things are given to us that we might, well, let's go back to our uh, verse 9. Make friends for yourself by unrighteous mammon. 
What is stuff good for? <laughs> Piling it up and keeping it? No. Helping you get to heaven? No. <laughs> it's good for blessing other people. Really. I mean, that's it. Um, that's what it's for. Um, and so, use it for that purpose, and, and you're good. Uh, that's, that's pretty well the second table of the law. Does God need your stuff? No, he doesn't need your stuff either. Um, so again, the first three commandments really aren't about your stuff. Um, uh, God wants to give you the forgiveness of sins, and he wants you to use that trusting in him uh, that you might be free not to trust in other things but to love your neighbor. So that's what we find uh, with, uh, with Luke 16. So what's the main point? The main point is uh, God has given us unrighteous mammon, and we need to use it for a righteous way. Um, maybe the connection then would be, if you are a Christian, you need to learn to be smart as a Christian. Would Christians want to skip out on church? Why would I want to do that? I'm a Christian. No, I want to be there. Um, should a Christian begin their day without prayer? I, I, that would, that would, now, if you're an unbeliever, of course. You're going to walk right out thinking you got everything taken care of. But if you're a Christian, you're saying, I'm not starting this day without God's prayer, without prayer to God, because he's the one I trust in. It would be a smart thing uh, to do this. So be shrewd concerning what God has given. When you get to the end of the day, I, a shrewd Christian would confess their sins, uh, would, would, admit, would get in the habit of, of, of doing that. Um, and in this way, mammon has its purpose, but we don't want to serve both, God and mammon. Let 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 mammon be used according to God's will. Questions? We got to talk about that verse that we memorized. Yep. Um, I mentioned it in passing, but what else you want to know? Well, it's kind of an odd phrase. Okay. That they may receive you into an everlasting home. I mean, that makes me think of heaven. Like, it does. I think it is. I think it's exactly what it's talking about. Um, I'm going to say it's no different than when Paul says that women will be saved through childbearing. He doesn't mean that if you give birth to a child, you've got a free ticket to heaven. What he means is that those who are Christian women, what do they do? Uh, they do not give up in fear, but instead they live within their vocation, trusting God. I think also this is what it's saying. If you are a Christian, you trust in God for your salvation, and, and thus this unrighteous mammon, what do you do? You love your neighbor with it, and in the end, it really doesn't matter whether you amassed a wealth here or not. You're received into a heavenly dwelling. And so it's simply talking about the fruits of faith. You know, we normally talk about just the faith, but this is, the scriptures do speak this way. Does that make sense? I think it has to be talking about heavenly dwelling, saying you've got a heavenly dwelling. You don't really care about make you know make friends with yourself. Use it, take care of it here. It's only good here. Um, don't trust in it. Don't. Okay. Other questions? All right, our yellow sheet. We'll use recite word by word. Uh, first uh, prayers tonight. What should we ask God for? What should we thank him for? What should we praise him for? What should we confess based upon tonight's reading? We have the fifth commandment and we have Luke 16. 
Karm? Thank him for his gifts and ask him to help us use those things when temptation and things come. Absolutely. Confess our anger. Confess our anger uh, towards our enemies, towards others. Ask the Lord to forgive. Okay. Um, usually I have the children or we have mainly older children. Uh, do some of the italic parts. Um, so I'll do the Ten Commandments. Uh, someone else want to do the Law of God? Jonathan? Do you have the wrong one? I'm sorry. You might have. It should say recite word by word. Ten Commandments. Did I say something else? I am doing the Ten Commandments to teach what we are to do. And you will do the Law of God... Reproves. Apostles' Creed. Sadie, do the italics. Lord's Prayer. Pastor Rune. Holy Baptism. Karn. Confession. Jacob. And Sacrament of the Altar. Jane. Please stand. The Ten Commandments teach what we are to do. The law of God reproves all sin and brings God's wrath. The law requires the entire confidence of the whole heart of man. In repentance, we acknowledge our sins, that there is no good in us. Without faith in Jesus Christ, all are utterly lost. You shall have no other gods. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. He says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. The Apostles' Creed teaches what God does and gives. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven 
and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord's Prayer teaches how we should pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Holy baptism brings us into the Christian community. Christian baptism, water connected with the word, is truly God's own work received by faith, that it might impart salvation and comfort us in affliction. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Confession and absolution is the voice of the gospel. It is the proper use of the gospel to believe the absolution of sins and to be assured that they are forgiven us without any merit of our own through Christ, and that when we believe the words of absolution, we are as surely reconciled to God as if we heard a voice. The Lord Jesus breathed on his disciples and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. The sacrament of the altar is food for the soul. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Let your merciful ears, O Lord, be open to the prayers of your humble servants, and that they may obtain their petitions. Make them to ask such things as shall please you. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, 
who lives and reigns with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Heavenly Father, we give thanks to you for the protection of our body. And we ask, dear Lord, that uh, you would forgive us when our anger uh, bubbles forth against those who have hurt or harmed us. We also ask that you would make us wise, even shrewd in our Christian life, uh, that we would cling to that which is right and good, uh, that we would seek to follow the commandments, that we would cling to absolution when we have failed, that we would make use of your word and prayer and uh, Lord's Supper in our fight against uh, sinful thoughts, words, and deeds. We ask it through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.